You're listening to the training podcast from PursueGod.org, the official training channel for pastors, small group leaders, and disciple makers. Find more resources to help train your church at PursueGod.org slash training. Today, I'm in the studio with Pastor John Bellis. John, it's kind of an important special day today because we are covering topic number 12 in the pursuit of which means many people who are listening to this podcast are listening to it with a mentor. They've gotten all the way through our 12-week um, series at PursueGod.org called The Pursuit, and we're going to talk about Disciple Maker Essentials today. But before we do that, I think congratulations are in order. Yeah, absolutely. What an exciting, what an exciting time for someone who's gone through the first 11 weeks of The Pursuit, and now you're on the launch pad, right? You are getting ready, hopefully, to go out and help the next person pursue God. So we just want to say a big congratulations. Uh, We're excited for you, and we can't wait to see how God uses you to go out and help the next person go full circle. Yeah, and it's not not only for the benefit of the other person. Remember, I know that a lot of you are listening to this saying, oh man, I... It's been great to be in a disciple-making relationship with somebody else, right? Presumably somebody else brought you through this. So you, you already sort of under, you've already experienced a lot of the stuff we're going to be talking about today. Hopefully your mentor has really modeled this for you. But I know that you're probably nervous. I know that you're thinking, I don't know if I can do this. And, and just look, the, the early disciples were nervous too. You know, the biggest prayer of the early disciples in the book of Acts which is when the church got started through disciple-making. The biggest prayer, go, go read it for yourself, they prayed for boldness, they prayed for courage. So we encourage you to pray for boldness and courage, and you can do this. And we're, we just want to spend, spend some time kind of hitting some of the essentials that, that maybe we haven't covered so far, because our hope, our goal, is that you would go from here after covering this topic with your mentor, that you would really get to work and start praying and thinking about who you can pass this on to, who you can walk with, engage um, in conversation with, and eventually establish in in the faith, in the Christian faith, by bringing them through the pursuit just like this. And then hopefully someday, not too long from now, you'll be empowering somebody else to go make disciples. And that's really what this is all about, is, is this kind of viral um, strategy for getting the word out and inviting people to really know the Jesus of the Bible and become a full circle follower of Jesus. But really, John, that leads to the first of the five disciple-maker essentials. The first thing that we want people to know is that this is about a relationship, that you need to commit to a relationship. None of this matters if you don't care about the person you're mentoring. Because, John, I think a lot of people maybe even have a little bit of a feeling like this seems too strategic. Like you're telling us the three E's you're, you're walking, you're giving us tools. We're using a website like pursuegod.org. And I think it's easy to get the wrong idea that this whole thing is just, it's like all about a factory, like a disciple making factory. And that couldn't be further from the truth, even though there's strategy and structure, it really all boils down to a relationship. Well, think about how Jesus did it with the disciples we would be foolish to say that Jesus wasn't strategic. Jesus was very intentional about the time he spent with the disciples. It's interesting to me in the Gospels how often Jesus asks questions that he clearly already knew the answer to. 
So, so throughout his time with the disciples, there was an intentionality, there was a strategy, but obviously there was relationship. And, you know, Jesus ate with the disciples, he slept with the disciples, he labored with them, they, they laughed together, they cried together, they really lived life together. And I remember somebody telling me early on, even before I was in ministry, Brian, way back years ago when, when I first got into coaching, they said, you know, these young boys don't care what you know until they know that you care. And I think that's so true in our mentoring relationships. If the person that I'm mentoring doesn't know that I care about them, if they don't trust that I have their best interests in mind, they might still listen to me out of, out of politeness, but I doubt they really care about the truth I'm trying to help them discover. Yeah, Jesus himself modeled this, John 15. By the way, if you want some great reading as you're preparing yourself to, to disciple somebody, read, well, read all of the Gospel of John, but read John chapters 13 to 17. These were the chapters where Jesus is kind of giving his final pep talk to his disciples. And here's what he says in John 15, verses 12 through 17. He says, again, these are just to his disciples. He says, this is my commandment, love each other in the same way I have loved you. Now, bear in mind that he's, He's about ready to, I mean, this whole time he's talking about going out and doing the work and all this, he's talking about being on mission. That is a major theme in these chapters, but the bigger theme than even mission is love. He says, love each other the same way I have loved you. In other words, Jesus did mentoring by keeping the relationship in mind. He says, there's no greater love than to lay one's life down for a friend's. And he says, you're my friends if you do what I command. So look, he's talking about friendship. He says in verse 15, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you're my friends since I've told you everything the Father told me. And that, but, so, so, he, so the first, those first few verses, John, are about, about friendship and about love and relationship. But then he says this, I love this in verse 16. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. So look, right here in the midst of all this talk about friendship and love and relationship, he gets back to mission. He says, I chose you. You didn't choose me. I chose you, and I chose you for a reason. I had a reason. I had a purpose in mind. I had a vision for you all along. This was Jesus' vision all along. And so he has relationship but he has mission. These two things are so intertwined. And then he ends with relationship again. Verse 17, this is my command, love each other. So as I read those verses, those chapters, John, I'm seeing these two themes, love, relationship, and mission. They go hand in hand. And I think people need to remember that as they're discipling people. If you really care about them, you're going to build a relationship with them. But also then if they care about you, then they're going to want to be on mission with you and with Jesus. And if and if you care about them, Brian, I think Jesus modeled it perfectly. Now we're not going to have the perfect balance that he did of of relationship and and intentionality or strategy. There's going to be times when we probably lean too much to one side or the other. But to to keep that in the back of our mind, to be praying about that, to be looking for wisdom and balancing that, I think is so important. If I really care about the person I'm mentoring, then it's going to be more than just friendship and and kind of the feel-good relationship, I'm going to want them to go full circle. Because I know if they go full circle, they're living that rich and abundant life that Jesus said he came to bring us in John 10.10. Like that's what God has called them to do. And I know that that we are, 
you know, we are at our best when we're doing the things that we were created to do, the things that God called us to do. So obviously I want to pour into them in the friendship side of it and the relationship side of it, but I want to make sure that we're staying on mission as well. I think of when Paul wrote his letters to Timothy, you know, he starts out in First Timothy and he calls Timothy his true son in the faith. So back to your point there, there's, there's a relationship, there's a, a love that's been developed that's so strong the Paul says, you're, you're like my son. You're like my true son in the faith. But then he goes on to give Timothy much instruction in that letter. So again, we see that combination of relationship and being on mission and being intentional. Yeah, I think it's, it's sad. It's a sad, sad commentary that there are a lot of Christians who they, they only get the one half of it. They only get the relationship half of it. I, you know, I've had Christians brag to me about how long they've been in their small group at church, that they've, they've done, quote-unquote, done life with their small group for 30 years. And look, I think that's awesome, by the way. I think that's, that's great. I think it's awesome to have good, solid, lifelong relationships in the church. I don't want people to misunderstand what I'm saying here, but I really think that Jesus would say to those people, have you discipled anyone? Have you, have you, have you gone outside of your small group to invite people into the kingdom of God. And sadly, John, most, most Christians, I'll, I'll even say not just many, but most Christians would have to answer that no. I've never actually discipled anyone because they, because they only think about, they only think about um, Christianity as relationship. We say it all the time. It's not a religion. It's a relationship. That's true. It's a relationship with Jesus. It's a relationship with Jesus' people. It's, it's awesome. Relationship is so important, but relationship isn't just, it's not the only thing. Jesus wants that relationship to impact the world. In other words, he wants us to be on mission with him. And so, interestingly, Jesus didn't spend 30, 40, 50 years doing life with his disciples, he just spent a few years doing life with his disciples, just three years doing life with his disciples. Then he went to the cross, he died on the cross, he rose from the dead, and he left them. And they were, they were bummed out about it. They were sad and confused and dismayed because, because it's so easy to just want the relationship and not like get on with the mission part of it. And what I find is interesting, Jesus was very clear up front about his intention with the disciples, right? When he called... Simon and Andrew, he told them to leave their nets, come follow me, and I'm going to make you fishers of men. So from the very beginning, you know, Jesus was clear, like, I'm, I'm going to love you. We're going to have a relationship. I'm going to be your teacher. You're going to be my student. But there is a purpose for this. We're going to be, we're going to be working towards something. I'm going to show you how to be fishers of men. I love that that's what he said. You know, he didn't say, uh, I'm going to have you read a book about it. <laughs> He didn't mm-hmm. say that, you know, I'm, I'm going to go through and teach you everything in the Old Testament about how to make disciples. He said, I'm going to show you how to be fishers of men. So Jesus is going to model it. So just like we've talked about all the way through these first 11 weeks, the reason we love this resource is the person mentoring you, they've shown you how to make disciples using the resources, just like Jesus showed the disciples how to be fishers of men. Yeah, so essential number one is commit to a real relationship. I mean, really, like, and communicate. I hope you're thinking about that as you're discipling someone. Is I'm, this isn't just a, like a mission project for me. 
that's not who this person is. Like, I really want to know this person, just like Jesus wanted to know his disciples, and his disciples wanted to know Jesus. So it really, really develop a relationship. Like, be prepared, count the cost to be a part of that other person's life. That's really important. Okay. But don't, it's not just about that, right? So many people just think about relationship. It's, it's more than that. All right. Here's the second thing, John. And we've kind of hit on this here and there, and we see it in, in, the sto- in the scriptures as well. The second essential is to share the right truth at the right time. And we covered this last week when we talked about how the resources work, all the categories, all the topics. You know, it's important to pay attention to the kinds of topics that they need to talk about and don't cram your favorite conversations down their throats, right? That this is this is where we can come back to that engage and establish. You know, make sure to spend some time really when you're thinking about developing a relationship, really think about it through their eyes, through their filter. What are the kinds of topics that they're interested in, you know, and share those topics with those people. I think this is one of the reasons to be a good mentor, a good disciple maker, you need to be a good listener. So you need to be paying attention as you're meeting with the person you're mentoring to the kinds of questions that they keep asking, the the types of struggles they have in their life, maybe the the parts of the Bible that they tend to wrestle with the most or or maybe even the parts of the Bible they've never really been exposed to. It's really tempting for us to just want to preach at people, to, to want to just tell them truth. And I remember, Brian, one of the things you shared with me years ago that really stuck with me is we're trying to help people discover truth. We're trying to help people discover truth on their own, because if I just go in and just kind of shout truth, teach truth, if I'm the one doing all the talking, well, that's really just a sermon 2.0. Mm. That, that's what they got on Sunday morning. So I need to be a good listener so that I can try and discern where is God working in this person? Where's, you know, where's the Holy Spirit softening their heart? And what types of topics might be most impactful for them? Yeah, and really, we even if you think about this, John, we do this with the pastoral team that we lead. You know, when we, well, a lot of times, once or twice a month, we'll, we'll bring a Pursue God topic to the table and spend some time with our staff talking with them about one thing or the other. And really, we do the same thing when we prepare for that, is we're thinking about the, the, the men around that table, and we're thinking, what would be the most beneficial conversation for us to have with them right now? And then we plan accordingly. And, th- and that it's, it's, that's just how discipling works, is you're really prayerfully thinking about what are the kinds of topics that this person really needs me to go over with them. I'm disip- right now I'm discipling a young guy about my, my son's age, and, and it's really interesting. The first couple of weeks, I just, I've just been asking him questions and trying to get a sense for where he is. Now, I have some ideas about a 20-year-old young man and what he might need to talk about, right? But I want to make sure that he knows I'm listening to him. And so we're talking about things like discerning God's will. We're talking about um, making a decision and making it work, right? Dis- decision-making, things like that. We're using a lot of the men's content from from our men's podcast, John. But we're, I'm also like preparing myself to talk about pornography and sexuality and being a godly husband someday, which he aspires to. So I'm excited about the conversations that we're gonna we're gonna be having, and I'm also ready to show up 
to coffee with him and be ready to punt on the one that I had picked because maybe something happened that week in his life and I can tell we need to we need to pivot and talk about something else. So that's really where the tools are so helpful. They're just so flexible. You can pick a topic and if it if if it doesn't happen to be the right one for that week, just try something else, you know. This makes me think of a recent interaction I had with a young man. I've been mentoring him and his wife as a couple. We first met because of some issues in their marriage. So again, share the right tooth at the right time. They came and asked if if we could do some marriage counseling. And so we spent about three months really going through a lot of the marriage topics, the importance of communication and building trust, some of our marriage basics, uh, how not to be defensive in a marriage. And then as we were doing that, it it was really interesting. I may have shared this even on the last podcast in, in Lesson 11, but God started to do a really amazing work in their marriage. You could visibly see it as they would come in and go through these through our, our mentoring sessions. And then they started asking questions about their two children. So they have two young kids, both under the age of seven. And you could tell that, that the children were a source of some of the tension within the marriage. And so just listening to that and, and, and hearing them, I said, hey, what about we take a break from some of these marriage topics and do some parenting topics for a little bit? And so we did that. We spent three or four weeks in the parenting topics. They were seeing, again, God do some really cool stuff. And then they said after that, you know, John, we've, we've looked at some marriage topics with you. We've done some parenting stuff. And, and all the topics come from God's Word. Can we just do some, some Bible topics, some faith topics? And I said, absolutely, I would love to do that. So we went through the pursuit. And long story short, kind of fast forward, not very long ago, about a month ago, they were scheduled to meet with me. The wife was home with one of the children who was pretty sick, and so just the husband came. And and I didn't just say, all right, let's make sure we go through that topic that I'd sent you guys. I stopped and I just said, you know, hey, Dave, do you think uh, do you think you still want to do this topic or do you want to do something else since your wife's not able to be here with us? And he said, actually, John, could we just talk about Ephesians? Hmm. And I said, I would love to. What, what do you want to talk about? And he said, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. And right there in that meeting, Brian, as he read 2, 1 through 10, and you know, if you're familiar with that passage, those that are listening today, it, it talks about how we were once children of wrath, but through the grace of God, we can become children of God. And it talks about how we are saved by grace through faith that is not of works so that no one can boast. And then in verse 10, it, it talks about the works that God has prepared for us in advance. And so we had this, this really cool conversation about the correct order, that it's sin, we have to recognize we're sinners. Then we talked about grace. We talked about faith. And then we talk, talked about the works that come after that, not because we're trying to earn our salvation, but because we're grateful for what God has already done. And right then and there in that meeting, he looked at that passage after he read it, and he said, that's, that's me. Like, I used to be a child of wrath, and now I'm a child of God. And I know it's, I know it's through faith in Jesus and only because of God's grace. So that's a perfect example of what we've been talking about. I could have gone in six months ago and said, hey, we've done enough of this marriage and parenting stuff. Let's get right into the gospel. And I think there's a good chance that would have turned them off. But by really meeting their needs, and again, the whole time we're using Bible. I mean, every conversation in the library is based out of God's Word. It gave me an opportunity to share the gospel with them. Yeah, and I I know maybe some of our listeners are just thinking, "I, I don't even know how to share the gospel. Like, you know, John, you're a pastor, so you you know, you kind of know what to say. 
And I would just say, if that's you listening right now, I would just say, go back to topic four, topic five, topic six. It's not that complicated. It's really, really simple. Like, make sure that you know how to talk about sin in a biblical way. Topic four. Make sure you know know how to talk about Jesus in a biblical way. And then make sure you know how to talk about, you know, putting your faith in Jesus, you know, leading someone through a sinner's prayer like that. It really isn't that complicated. I know the, the enemy wants to make it sound complicated because he he doesn't want anyone doing this. It's not hard. And you might say, well, what about the other topics? Marriage or parenting or or emotions or relationships or some of the other topics from the library. Look, this is what that's what I always love to tell people. Just just say, I'm just going to walk alongside you. I don't really, I don't know all the answers, but we can discover them together. You know, unpack. That's why the tools are there. They're there so that you can just do your part, which is which is the third essential for being a disciple maker. Just do your part. You don't have, the pressure is off. You don't have to do God's part. God's part is is to convict the person. God's part is to open their eyes. God's part, God has the bigger part. You just need to show up and do your part. You can't make someone pursue God. That's their part. They have to be the be the one to show up every week. You just need to show up and and walk alongside them. And, and it's how... a, it, yeah, it's a the the great picture of this is is Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter eight, where where God just said, "I love this." Eight tw- verse chapter eight verse twenty nine. He said, "Go over and walk beside the carriage." And that's a good way to think about it. It's like God is telling you, just go walk beside that person and discover truth with them. And you don't have to be the expert. You just need to be one step ahead of them. And how freeing is that? I know for me, that takes so much pressure off that God doesn't call me to soften their heart. God doesn't call me to save them. I can't, I can't save them. God doesn't even call me to fix their marriage or fix their parenting, right? I mean, there are going to be some times when you're going to get in over your head. Like mentors, you need to know that, I think. You need to recognize that you're going to come across a situation every now and then where they have deeper needs. They, they may need some professional counseling, and that's okay. Don't, don't feel bad about that. Just let them know, hey, I'm going, to do, I'm going to do what I promised to do. I'm going to keep meeting with you. We're going to keep having some conversations, but I think you need some, some additional help. Now, that doesn't happen obviously with every person we mentor, but, but every now and then that'll come up. I know I have referred people over to professional counselors for issues they're dealing with that are just, they're, they're not my part. And the other thing about that, I think too, Brian, is when we say just do your part, not God's, I mean, clearly God has to do the heavy work, but just do your part means you're going to be faithful in any commitments you've made to the person you're mentoring. Hmm. So if you've committed to, to view the topic ahead of time and prepare for the conversation, you need to do that even if the person you're mentoring doesn't do that from time to time. Mm-hmm. So even if they're unfaithful, you need to be faithful. And we're, we're going to talk about praying in a minute, but one of the things I commit to do with every guy I'm mentoring is I commit to pray for them regularly. And so we need to do that. We need to do our part. Yeah, and I, I like what you said, John, about professional counselor. Sometimes I have to tell people this: I am not a counselor. I'm not a professional, and I encourage mentors to say that I am. So you know, there are going to be some things where you're just like, this feels like maybe you need to go see a marriage counselor or a or a psychologist or a counselor, a biblical Christian counselor for for this particular area. If there's if there seems to be maybe some clinical stuff going on, some mental health things going on. 
And here's what I always encourage people to say is just say, look, let's get you connected to a counselor and I'm going to continue to walk with you as, as a friend and as a mentor. But, but you, a mentor is not a counselor. Maybe you need to hear that. A mentor is not a counselor. You know, you are just walking with someone using these tools from Pursue God and, and really, we're really trying to see what God is saying to you and to them through his word in your conversations. That's your part. That's the part that you get to play. And the fun part is that you get to what you get to be a part of it. You need to, you get a front row seat when someone does is ready to come to faith. When someone does have victory over an addiction or when someone does all of a sudden the light bulb comes on because they listen to a podcast on one of these topics and they're like, I get it now. Like I see, I see what, what I was doing wrong here. And, and, and they begin to, they begin to walk in this new life and this freedom. And you, you're just, you get to be there and, and be a witness to all of it. It's pretty fun. It really is. It's one of the most amazing things we can do, right? I and mean, we say this in, in our church all the time. The most important thing you can do is pursue God for yourself. But just underneath that, the coolest thing you can do is help somebody else pursue him. And it, it really is, it, it's very humbling. It's very humbling to, mm-hmm. to, just recognize how God uses broken people like us. I love how you said you just have to be a little bit ahead, a step ahead of the person you're mentoring. There are, there are conversations I have about marriage, for example, that I'm just barely ahead of where they are. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm learning or relearning things. Maybe it's not that I'm learning it for the first time, but it's a reminder like, oh man, how come you haven't been doing that in your own marriage, John? And and I find that my honesty and transparency with the people I'm mentoring in those situations is extremely helpful for them. Because one of the things you want to be careful of, and this is important, I think, for lesson number 12, because some of you are, are, are getting ready to go out there and do this on your own. If you think your mentor has it all together in every area of their life and, and basically is you know just one level shy of perfect, then you may think that that's the kind of life you have to have to go help the next person. Mm. That's not true. Like, look at the disciples. You know, literally, the night that Jesus was betrayed, they deserted him. They ran away. You know, Peter denies him three times. So clearly, they didn't have it all together. And look at the amazing things God did through them to build his church. Yeah, that's so true. You know, I had a calculus teacher in high school, my senior year of high school. It was her first year teaching, and by her own admission, every single student in that class was smarter than her, and she was the best math teacher I ever had. And here's why. Because she said, I might not always know the answer. Basically, she was saying, I'm one step ahead of you students. I might not always know the answer, but I always know where to find the answer. And when you're discipling someone, that's a great thing to say. I might not know the answer right now. It's okay to say, I don't know, let's look at the Bible together. Let's see if we can find this together. And what's going to happen with you is what happened with that Cal teacher and so many students in that class. Many of those students became math teachers because they owned it at a whole different level when they were walking with the teacher instead of thinking that this teacher was so far ahead of them. And this is what discipleship boils down to. Just be one step ahead of the person that you're helping to pursue God. So John, we've talked about three things so far. Number one, commit to a real relationship. Number two, share the right truth at the right time. And number three, just do your part. You can't do God's part, and you can't do their part either. 
And here's the fourth one. And I want to spend some time on this one, John, because this is the thing that makes me, I'll just be really honest. This is what makes me a little bit nervous when I think about our churches and Christians all over the country, all over the world, using the Pursue God tools to go make disciples. This is what makes me a little bit nervous. I want to make sure that they're actually making disciples of Jesus. So, so step number four, or essential number four, is point it all to Jesus. Make sure to point it all to Jesus. This isn't like a mentoring program in a synagogue. This isn't a mentoring program in a community center. This is specifically about helping people pursue the God of the Bible, and that means you're helping them walk with Jesus. So you might be listening to this thinking that your your faith is still a little bit broad, is still a little bit like uh, generic. And John, one of the ways I can always tell is when I'm talking to someone and they talk about God all the time, and they don't ever talk about Jesus, then I want to sit down with them and say, have you really met Jesus? Because every religion uses the word God. Really, even some religions use the word Jesus. Let's make sure we're pointing people to the biblical Jesus. That makes me think of, of what we shared earlier about listening. So I think that's a great example. You're, you know, you're mentoring with someone, and, and you rarely hear Jesus come from their lips. I certainly would want to go back and have some of those conversations around 4, 5, and 6 and make sure that they're not missing out. You know, we've been talking a lot in our, in our church series. We're doing a series in Mark right now. And we talked a couple of weeks about how Jesus is greater than religion. And, and it really is about pointing them to a person. It's not pointing them to a system. It's not pointing them to a, a set of rules or a checklist. It's pointing them to a relationship. Uh, you, rep, you recommended, or excuse me, you referenced John you know, 13 through 17 recently, and John 15, 5 is one of my favorite verses where Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. And so, you know, the idea is that we're, we're pointing them to Jesus and that, that they would want to be connected. And I know, Brian, you've, you've said, I think even to, to your son, you know, I want to make sure you're doing the being and not trying to skip to the doing. We need to be connected. We need to be in relationship with Jesus because according to that verse in 15, if, if we are connected, then the fruit takes care of itself. He doesn't say you might bear fruit or, hey, then you'll have an opportunity to bear fruit or possibly you'll bear fruit. He says, no, if you're connected to me, you will bear fruit. So we absolutely want to make sure that we're pointing it all to Jesus. Yeah, and that just means for you, I mean, do an audit on your own words, your own language, your own life. Is your life centered on Jesus? You know, if you're going to go make a disciple, I think it's important that your life is centered on Jesus. So maybe the reason that some people don't talk about Jesus is because their their discipler, their mentor doesn't really ever talk about Jesus. They just keep it really generic. And again, I'm not, look, we've got all kinds of resources on God. We're, We're not trying to throw the concept of God under the bus. For sure, we believe in the God of the Bible, who is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but when it comes to discipling someone and helping them to know the God of the Bible, Jesus cannot be left out of it. Jesus himself said, no man comes to the Father except through me. Christianity is the most exclusive religion in the world. It is extremely exclusive, and we're living in a more and more inclusive society. And it's important for us 
to make sure that we're biblical in our disciple making. It is very exclusive. You are saying to somebody, will you trust in Jesus for your salvation? And you yourself need to make sure that you've trusted in Jesus for your salvation, because there's no, there is not salvation in any other name except for in the name of Jesus. So your you, you know your communication with the person you're mentoring is important. Make sure that you're falling more and more in love with Jesus, and that you're talking about it because that kind of thing is caught more than it's even taught. Yeah, I think that's great to to remember for those of you that maybe you're the mentor right now and you're leading someone through conversation twelve as you're listening to this podcast. I think it's helpful to even to do a, an inventory. You know, as you've been bringing your mentee through these last 11 lessons, how often has your language been centered around Jesus? You know, how often is your life centered around Jesus and what he's done for you? I think that's something for all of us to remember. I, I, we all know, especially if you've gone through the pursuit and if, if you're a follower of Jesus, we all know that we come to salvation totally dependent upon Jesus but do we remember that we also live out the Christian life totally dependent upon Jesus? Or do we get to this point, you know, kind of like the Pharisees where, hey, I trusted Jesus, but now, you know, my day-to-day life is about just my own religiosity. It's mm-hmm. about me trying harder. It's about me checking all the boxes. I, I fear that sometimes that happens. You know, that sometimes in the, in the Christian church, we, we know we need Jesus to come to salvation, but we forget we need Jesus to live in victory on a day-to-day basis. So essential number four, point it all to Jesus. And that just leaves us with, with one more. And, and there are so many more we can talk about, John. And I would encourage people to check out the training category at PursueGod.org if you want additional training topics, because there's so much more. And in fact, I encourage you to make sure that you are following this podcast, the, the Pursue God training podcast. That's the orange one if you're into the colors. And and so we want to encourage you, this isn't the end of your training. This really is just the launching pad for your disciple making. And hopefully you'll continue to meet with your mentor as you disciple someone else, because you'll probably have more questions pop up. But the last thing we want to say for, for now, as we close out, out the, the pursuit, is to pray, pray, pray. Make sure that you are, like you said, John, make sure that you are totally dependent on God as you go make disciples, just like we're dependent on God for everything. But if you want to be successful in helping someone pursue God, and that's our prayer for you, then you need to make sure that it's part of your prayer life on a regular basis. Now, John, I thought it'd be good for us to get practical about what that looks like for us. So I'll start. For me, I keep a prayer journal and I make a habit of praying for the people that I'm mentoring. In fact, I tell them that I'm doing it. I say, Part of the commitment I'm making to them, part of that relational commitment that I'm making to someone is, hey, if I commit to, to mentoring you, that means I'm committing to praying for you. And, and I mean it. I do on a weekly, maybe not a daily basis, but on a weekly basis, usually two, three times a week, I'm praying for the, for the people that I'm mentoring. I'm praying specifically for some of the things that come up. And then I tell them I'm praying for them. And it's really important because what, what that does for me, John, is it it just tunes me in to the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit's doing in their life. It tunes me in to the needs in their life. It, it helps keep that kind of stuff in front of me, and so it really helps it to be relational, which was our first essential. Absolutely, and it invites God in to do what only God can do. 
So it, it really encompasses several of these truths. We've already talked about it. It's part of committing to a real relationship. It's part of doing our part and not trying to do God's part because we bring them in. It, it's going to point them all to Jesus. I, I do something very similar. I mean, I'm not a high-tech guy. You're much more techie than I am. But I just have a simple Google Doc that's titled Prayer List, and it's in alphabetical order, the names of the people that I'm praying for, and I update it regularly. And so it, it is cool. Just recently, one of the guys I'm mentoring, I, I just said, hey, how is Kirsten and, and Kathy and Jack doing, which are the names of two of his kids and his wife. And he and I haven't been meeting for a long time. We've been, it's a fairly new mentoring relationship. And I could just tell that he was surprised that I remembered the names of his, of his kids and his wife. And to be perfectly honest, the only reason I remember is I have it written down and I've been praying for him. Because I, well, I would not have remembered that. Yeah, that's my story too. I, I've got a pretty terrible memory, especially like you know, memory for names and things like that. That's one of the reasons I literally I have to keep a journal. I actually use a I I do two things. I use a Google Doc, but for longer journal entries. But then I also use a, just a a task app, and I can create a bunch of different lists and and I just have. I, they're tasks essentially. I just never, I never complete the task. I just use it to help me kind of keep it listed. And I put names down all the time. I'm praying specifically by name for these things. And you know, some of you might be saying, "Well, so what are what are you praying for?" Well, let's. I mean, let me just give you some useful uh, tips for that. Number one is if you're still engaging them. Think about the three E's. If you're still in the engaging phase with them, pray. Pray for wisdom about some of the topics that you need to cover with them. Now, of course, pray for the prayer needs that they have. Maybe they've shared some prayer needs. Pray for those things, of course. That goes without saying. But more than that, pray strategically. Say, God, give me wisdom to know what topics to be talking about in this period of our relationship right now. And pray pray that pray that they'll show up. Pray that they'll list, they'll listen to the podcast or watch the video, prepare for the conversation. These are some of the things you can do in that first, in that engaging phase of a relationship with them. And then the biggest thing you can do is just pray for wisdom to know when it's time to move to the next phase, to the established phase. Pray for the right words to say, like it says in Luke 12, 12, Jesus told his disciples when he was sending them out, the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what needs to be said. So pray scripture like that. Say, Holy Spirit, I pray you would teach me what needs to be said this week to this person that I'm discipling. And then when you move to the established phase, and I just recently did this, Tracy and I have been discipling a, a couple that's coming out of Mormonism, John, and, and we've been praying for them. We, As we brought them through the pursuit, we, we were praying specifically for topic six, because we knew topic six is where they'd have an opportunity to pray a sinner's prayer. So for weeks, for weeks, we were praying kind of with our target set on that particular conversation. God, Prepare them for that conversation. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do in their hearts to make them ready to receive the gospel message, to receive Jesus as their Savior that day. And and sure enough, you know, as we prayed for that for weeks, heading into that day, when we got to that conversation, both of them put their faith in Christ. It was a beautiful thing. And then when you get past the pursuit and you're ready for the empowering, which is where you are right now, if you're doing this as topic 12... I would encourage you, so I'm talking to the mentor right now, is you need to continue to pray 
for that person you're mentoring and pray that they would have the courage and pray that they would have the boldness, just like the disciples prayed in the book of Acts. Pray that that person would have the boldness to go out there and get the job done. Pray together for the, for the two or three names that you put on a list last week. Pray for those people. Pray for the door to open to have a mentoring relationship. So, there, John, there's so much to pray for. And if you just think about it in terms of the three E's, engage, establish, and empower, those are some really good uh, triggers for prayers. And I would also invite the mentee to be praying for you. I, I love the fact that, you know, I've got two or three extra guys at any given time praying for me because I'm mentoring them. And so that prayer isn't just a one-way street. You know, we've been talking primarily to the mentor here, but but I invite all of the guys that I mentor to be praying for me. And, and, and I think that goes, again, back to coming to a real relationship. If you and I are in a relationship together, the prayer is not going to be a one-direction thing. We're going to be praying for one another. It also helps them to see your your vulnerability and your transparency. So one of the guys that, that I had a conversation with today, I just shared with him, hey, I'm, I'm going to Las Vegas. My daughter's got a volleyball tournament this week. And for any of you who've been to Vegas, you know what a cesspool it is. I hate that place. I'll just be honest with you. But there's billboards and stuff everywhere that for a guy who's trying to honor God with his eyes, I, I'm going to have to be doing a lot of bouncing with my eyes this week. And so I just asked this young man, hey, be praying for me. I'll be praying for you in your battle in this area, and, and you could do me a favor and just pray that I do a good job redirecting my gaze while I'm down there. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so John, those are the five disciple-maker essentials. We've already mentioned there's more to it. This is the, the final lesson in the pursuit. So there are a lot of people listening to this right now, getting ready to have this conversation. They're going to have this conversation. John, I think it'd be good to spend a few minutes talking about what the nature of that relationship looks like once you finish the pursuit with somebody, right? So you've engaged them, you eventually start brought them through the pursuit and established them in the faith, and here you are finishing up topic number 12. And the question is now, what, what, does it look, what does a mentoring relationship look like in the empowering phase? Because now, after today, hopefully, prayerfully, the mentor is going to empower the mentee and the mentee eventually, soon enough, hopefully in the next couple of months, is going to be discipling his or her own person. So, John, what what does the mentor and the mentee do then in this empowering phase? Do they continue to meet together? Let's just let's end with this because this is a question we probably get more than any question: is what happens? Does that relationship just sort of fizzle out. What happens? Uh, that's great, and and I would say I want to preface this with it. It's not always black and white. So what what I'm going to recommend isn't necessarily what I do in every mentoring relationship, and so just be led by the Spirit. But typically, I still meet with the guys that I've been mentoring once we've gotten through Lesson 12, but the frequency is less. I don't meet with them as often. And the topics that we normally go through are are bent more on helping them mentor the next person than they are maybe their personal situation or their, you know, their personal journey. Now, that doesn't mean we won't go back to a topic that's just for them. Again, we let the Spirit lead us, but I find that, that more of the conversations I have with someone who has been through the pursuit, they've been through all 12 lessons, they're mentoring someone, we don't meet as regularly. So in, instead of, a, a lot of my mentoring relationships are every other week, I know a lot of the people on who are listening, maybe you meet weekly. I think both those are great. 
But, but if I've got someone who's been through the pursuit, we're probably going to back that off from every other week to, you know, early on, maybe once every six weeks. And then once they get more comfortable mentoring the person that they're mentoring, it may even drop to like once a quarter. But I, I do still stay in contact with them. And the reason I do, we developed a real relationship. <laughs> you know, back to the very first point we talked about, I, I love the guys that I've mentored and, and they love me. And so, you know, we don't just completely kind of cut the cord, but our frequency definitely diminishes. And the reason really, the re- that's how it works for me generally as well, John. The reason is because when you get on mission with Jesus, you realize you only have so many hours in a day. So you have to now start making decisions. If you've still got kids at home, whatever else, if, you're, if you only have so many hours in a week to meet with a mentor, if you, if you keep just giving those hours to meeting with your mentor and you never become the mentor, then you're never going to get out there and disciple someone. So to the mentors out there, I would, I would say this, look, you really have to empower the person you're mentoring to go out there and start meeting with someone else. And part of that conversation might be, if there isn't as much time now in our relationship for us to do this every week, then we should give up things we love for things we love more. We should be willing to sacrifice this awesome relationship that you're not really sacrificing the relationship. You're just, it's just, you're necessarily having to sort of kick them out of the house. It, I mean, really the, the empty nester imagery is the best imagery here, John, that, that a healthy person, a healthy kid who grows to be a teenager, a healthy teenager eventually grows to be late teens, early 20s, and leaves the home. That's how it should work. That's If you're still living with mom and dad and you're in your mid-30s, I mean, no offense if that's you out there listening right now. Now, I know that there are some situations where that needs to happen. You're, you're building a house, or you're saving up for a house or whatever. But the general rule is, if that's the story, there's something wrong there. And so back to what I said at the beginning, those, those small groups, those Christians that brag about being in a small group for 30 years, look, that's great as long as everyone in that small group is out there leading their own small group as well. But if, if, if it's just become kind of this place where, you've, where the kid never moved out of the home, you have a, there's a word for that. You have a dysfunctional family. And we don't want dysfunctional families, so you need to Get out of the, you need to be kicked out of the nest and go start your own family. In other words, start discipling somebody else. And that's what Jesus says in John 13 through 17. He, that's the message. Like, I love you guys. You're my friends, but it's time for you to grow up. <laughs> you know, you need to go on mission. I, I chose, you didn't choose me. I chose you and I had something in mind. I want you to go and bear fruit. So if you're here at Lesson 12 today, again, we just want to say congratulations. You are, you are at that launching point where it's time to maybe leave the nest a little bit. doesn't mean that you're going to cut off all communication with your mentor. They're still going to be there to support you. They're, they're still going to pour into you, but that frequency is going to diminish so that you can go out and help the next person get to this point right where you are today. Yeah, we want to encourage you now that you've finished the pursuit. Once you have this conversation with your mentor, congrats, you've finished the pursuit. That really is awesome. And we encourage you now to move into that next phase of empowering and use those training resources at PursueGod.org forward slash training to continue to talk about more topics related to going out and making disciples. And we know you can do it. Remember, making a disciple is the greatest thing you can do in your life. And the next greatest thing you can do is to make another disciple. 
So go do it. Hey, listeners, this is Brian Dwyer reminding you to rate this show on your favorite podcast app. That really does help us when you do that. That way more people can discover this podcast and start listening. And also, don't forget to share the podcast with a friend.